Hello and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today you're joining us for mine and Chad's recap and discussion of A Court of Frost and Starlight, book four, kind of book four, novella number one, book four of A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Maas. What a fun little palate cleanser. What a good book. What I a love good little book. walk through the town window shopping. I, You know, it's funny. Um, When I first started reading Akatar. I heard a lot of the same sentiment, which was, you're going to love the first three books, and then book four is just like, whatever, and then book five is really great. And I really, enjoy- maybe it's just because my expectations were so low, but Frost and Starlight is really good. It's an awesome book. It is an awesome book. If it was any amount longer, yeah, I would have been like, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. It's like no action in it. No, and I don't even need action, but there's like, not even conflict that gets resolved like there's some semi-conflict of like people like wallowing in depression or being super cold for who knows why Um, but there's no resolution to any of it yeah i mean do you think that this is a a book that needs to be in this series or do you think (laughs) that it really (laughs) well okay (laughs) there's i mean tamlin and resan's conversation is extremely important i would argue yes this book could have been like a summary or a prelude um in one of the other books, you know, that it was just kind of like whittled down to just a few key points. Like Moore's got a Moore is betrothed, Nesta's having problems, Elaine and Lucian still aren't a thing, and Reese and Tamlin have a very interesting conversation um, that we'll get into here in, in a little bit. See, the way that I looked at this book is that you know, I mean, you haven't really gotten to a court of silver flames yet, but uh, it, the way I see it is it's kind of like an end to Feyre's point of view and then shifting over to Nesta's point of view. That's kind of the way that I look at it because um, I mean, we've got a decent amount of Nesta in this book. I mean, you're seeing Nesta from Feyre's point of view. This is from Feyre's point of view, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and a little bit from Cassian, a little bit from um, uh, Reese as well. But there's some conflict between Feyre and Nesta in this book. And so... That con- that conflict carries over a little bit into a court of uh, silver flames, which is a like Nesta I said, heavy. Nothing book. is resolved. So, it, but it, it's gonna be like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I feel I I totally hear you. Like we could we might be able to lift this out, but I don't think that uh, like an epilogue to a court of wings and ruin would have done exactly like these events justice. It needed its own thing, and it's a vibe check. It's Christmassy. It's it's wintry. Right. It's like a, it's almost like a. It's like a romantic comedy from like the early 2000s, you know, like they're just they're walking around, they're Christmas shopping. Uh, I just I picture just like this perfect city of Valaris, like, you know, the the immaculate vibes, the lanterns in windows and the latticed windows and the snow swept cobble streets and things like that. Um, What I want to know, though, before we get into this subject, uh, before we get into this recap, like what could you possibly buy these people for Christmas? Like that was like what I kept at, and I know that Favor was kind of struggling with it too. But it's like I would probably just like not even get them anything. Like they've all they're yeah, all like, so wealthy and hot. Amazon like, gift cards. Like <laughs> uh, I mean, and that's the thing, right? Is and and they end up doing a good job. I don't remember the particulars of what everyone gets everyone else, but they end up doing a good job in that. You're totally correct. They all have their needs taken care of. Very wealthy people, and so they end up going with. Things that the other person like wouldn't purchase for themselves because they're, you know, they, they just wouldn't purchase, but they like would love or things that have like deeper meaning um, that kind of like has a has a message hidden within them. You know, it's like a, a poem to your significant other. It's like pretty cool, you know, like if you it, and me were millionaires, like I don't know what I would get you like I wouldn't. Yeah, I like, just I would I would either. Uh, here's what I would do. 
I'd either get you nothing, but I'd like make you something, which would be cool. Or I would just shower you with shit. Like I would, <laughs> like I'd buy you like a car or something. Like just some, <laughs> something. Buy a dump absolutely. truck full of books and just have it yeah. back up in front of your house. Like beep, beep, beep. Just like. <laughs> yeah, something that was actually more of a hindrance than anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, I've been picking up books that are soggy, by the way. It's snowing <laughs> for a week. All right, let's just get right into the recap. We're going to do a short, sweet episode, just like the short, sweet book that you just read. Yes, sir. It is winter, and Feyre is preparing for the Winter Solstice Festival. As she tidies up her home, she muses on what to get her loved ones. Much like Christmas, the Fey's Winter Solstice is a time of family, friendship, and most importantly, giving and receiving gifts. Her memories lead to darker places as she thinks back on times the year before with Tamlin in the Spring Court. Reese is away resolving disputes in the camps and training the Fey army. While window shopping in the wintry streets of Valeris, a fairy named Racina tells her that while her fellow artists in the art quarter wish her to live in peace, they haven't forgot what she did for them during the attack by Hybern. While shopping for Amran, Morrigan tells Feyre that Reese, as he does every year, will be traveling to the Hewn City, as is his solstice tradition. Upon arriving at the Hewn City, Mor, Reese, and Feyre meet with Mor's father, as well as Moore's betrothed, Eris. They discuss the ambitions of Tamlin. His land borders the humans, and they are curious if he is planning on expanding his territory. Hoping for a peaceful journey, Reese travels to the Spring Court to learn what he may. Upon arriving, he finds it almost abandoned, Tamlin's manor in a state of disrepair. A sour and disheveled Tamlin is the only one to greet him. Reese quickly leaves, seeing that Tamlin is in no state to be expanding his land and wants nothing to do with Reese or anyone, it would seem. Though the land is once again at peace, and everything seems to be recovering since the war with Highburn, Nesta has become even more aloof. She has moved to the other side of town and has cut all ties with Feyre and friends. Distressed at Nesta's distant behavior, Feyre is hurt and worried after finding her drowning unspoken sorrows in a seedy bar. Feyre invites Nesta to their winter solstice dinner, an invitation that Nesta coldly refuses. Amran and Nesta have become close, but not wanting to betray Nesta's trust, she refuses to shine any light on why Nesta has separated herself from the winter court. We learn that things are still uncomfortable between Elaine and Lucian, as he struggles to adjust to his new life. Though troubled, Lucian has not forgotten his friendship with Feyre and bond with Elaine and he stops by to give Feyre and Elaine a gift. The night of the winter solstice comes with merrymaking, good food, and friends. Reese, Az, and Cassian partake in their annual snowball fight. Afterwards, the friends enjoy a love-filled evening, eating, drinking, and exchanging gifts. Nesta surprises everyone and makes an appearance, though her demeanor is still frosty. Cassian offers to walk her home, but is refused and ends up throwing the gift he got her in the river. Reese and Feyre get some time alone to exchange some intimate moments and gifts. Though she wished him to, Reese has not forgotten that Feyre's birthday also falls upon the winter solstice, and the following morning he surprises her by giving her an art gallery. The place holds special meaning for Feyre, as it was once owned by a family that she saved during Highburn's attack. Reese regrets not having tried harder when he visited Tamlin and returns to try his luck once again. 
he arrives to a depressing scene. Tamlin sitting alone and defeated, nothing but an unprepared elk on the table before him. Tamlin asks Reese if he thinks Feyre will ever be able to forgive him. Reese does not know. He then asks if Reese will ever forgive him for what he did to his family. Reese points out that Tamlin has yet to ask. It is clear depression has stolen all hope from Tamlin, as he responds, saying that it wouldn't have made a difference. The book ends on this cheery note, Reese finding it hard to empathize with his once enemy, knowing he hangs from a noose of his own making. He extends what peace offering he may by preparing the elk and tells Tamlin to eat. A subtle message to take care of himself, as with time, redemption may be found. As who knows what the future may hold. Oh man, I, uh, I forgot about the Bat Boy snowball fight. That's adorable. It was very, very adorable. All the women like rolling their eyes, like, no, it's their thing. They do this every year. And <laughs> they do like it's like an all day thing. They're out there having like a hardcore snowball oh, yeah. fight. Yeah. And like, really can you imagine one. the power like a High Lord could, could, oh throw no, a yeah, snowball? I wouldn't, I would not, I would not do it. I'd stay yeah. home. I'd stay home and wrap presents. Yeah. I do that on Christmas anyway. We used to have intense snowball fights in Bend in Central yeah. Oregon because it snows like three or four feet sometimes. There's so much snow. Yeah, it snowed like two days ago. There's snow on the ground right now. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was so cool. I didn't even know. I walked outside in the morning. I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> Magical. So uh, tell me your thoughts on this conversation between uh, Tamlin and Resand. Which one? The first or the second? The Yeah, the, the second one. The one before the end of yeah. the book. Um. You know, like we started with this podcast, there's really no resolution for these things, which is not a problem. I'm not saying that that's a negative. It's obviously going to be, it's obviously setting up for something in the next book. Though, I really hope that it comes to something because there's such an opportunity for a really cool redemption arc for Tamlin because he obviously knows what he did wrong. And he's like wallowing in regret, the destruction of his court, the loss of all of his friends. Lucian's not there anymore. I mean, his house is basically he's like, alone. Has, he's alone. Yeah. yeah. It, it has like leaves blowing through it. Doors are open. Reese um, magics his way inside his house, which he's never been able to do before because there's always magical um, protections up. And he's like, wow, kind of like even notes that he's like, man, there's not even like a magical barrier up anymore. Like Tamlin is just wallowing in depression like i said I, I really hope that this low is kind of the low before the high so to speak of like redemp of tamlin climbing the redemption ladder up and out of it and like working to be a better person and make amends for the hell that he's put a lot of people through yeah i mean tamlin's still a complicated character right i mean he he kind of helped out after the fact right yeah um, he was a he was around to help um, it was a little bit too late, too little, too late, I should say. But it's not like it's like what recent. What is recent going to do? Like kill him, you know? Right. And I didn't even get that vibe when I had read it. Like I didn't think that's what he had come there to, you know. I didn't think that that was what was going to happen in that situation. And, and recent's such a cool guy. Yeah. You know, he's like, well, I mean, you, first of all, you never even asked me for forgiveness, so right. you like, don't even not, know. Yeah, and and he like helps him with the elk and everything. And I like what you said there, just. He's telling him basically like, hey, take care of yourself. It's still a, I mean, you've had those situations with different people in your life where it's like, yeah. all right, some time has gone by. Everybody's cool. At least, you know, it seems like the dust has kind of settled. This is still an uncomfortable situation, obviously. But right. I mean, it's one high, lord, one high lord to another. You know, like the spring court is still 
important in Prithian, even if it's just if you just look at it politically. We need a high lord of the Supreme Court. Right. And magically, you know, like Tamlin makes does a big thing every year to infuse the land again with like magical life, you know, to yeah. get spring going. So it's like he's definitely a pivotal piece of the court system and kind of the the magic system that supports it seems like the cycle of life and nature um, that the fairies kind of work to to create. I don't know what's going to happen. And, and I hope that, you know, I, I, it would have been hokey and silly if the book would have ended with Reese, like exchanging, you know, like bestie rings or something. Yeah, totally. Like, we're yeah. friends now. It's like, man, he, he's still like, this is really fresh for me too, man. Like uh, you are hanging from a tree that you planted, grew watered, tied the noose and then jumped off the chair. Like, I can only feel so sorry for you swinging there because, yeah, man. And a lot of it personally affected me. So, um, I think and the people that I care about, up. too. Yeah. It's sticky. Let's let's move to a lighter note. Uh, what'd you think about uh, Cassian and Nesta? I guess it's not that much lighter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> not lighter at all. It, yeah. Their arc ends with it's actually like, worse if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cassian just throwing the gift that he got her into the river, like in frustration. Okay. I. I've been told that the next book is from Nesta's point of view, which I have kind of mixed feelings on because I don't, I don't know. I'm a really like hopeful, naturally hopeful and optimistic person, probably to a fault, but like, I just don't understand. And it's hard for me to like support and like characters that are always wallowing in like this frosty attitude. And she's like, okay, she definitely has a lot of, of reasons to be where she's at, but like, I don't know. Everyone does. Everyone of the winter court has been through hell at one point in their life. Most of them very recently. And everyone's like trying their best to bond, get over it and make the best of a bad situation and like move on and grow. And Nest is just like, I'm going to cut everyone off and just treat everyone like garbage. And I, I don't understand why. Yeah, I mean, I might, I might be able to shed some light onto this. I mean, um, ne- for one thing, I mean, Nesta just deals with stuff differently than everybody else does. Um, like, she's been traumatized quite a bit. Not saying everybody else hasn't been, but um, I think that it goes all the way back even to, the like, before the beginning of the first book, right? Um, you know, their mom is missing, their dad is kind of distant, they're all kind of fending for themselves, and each one of those girls dealt with it in their own personal way. Nesta's is to kind of, like be a recluse and and kind of like put that wall up that seems to help quite a bit um, at least for her in the short term her her being turned into a high fae it's like at first your your first instinct is why would you be so upset about that you know you got turned into a supermodel like an immortal supermodel but at the same time powers at the same time though she didn't consent to that say whatever you want about it she didn't she that was not her plan nobody asked her about it she if you if you look at the events in the way that they've played out she is she still even in this book feels like she's been forced into this situation even though the situation is cool on the surface it's not what she asked for nobody talked to her about it and then to have gone through everything that they've gone through um and to be expected by Feyre to kind of like grin and bear it and be part of the crew it's only going to serve to distance her even more so like i mean i dude honestly i think nesta is one of the best written characters in this whole series i really like nesta a lot i mean i I wouldn't like get a beer with nesta you know (laughs) but i like nesta as a character quite a bit because um it it lends a lot of like reality to this whole situation i mean like we're in a fairy land with it's like christmas in fairyland right now 
you know, and it's like, it makes sense that because of everything that's happened, yeah, everybody's trying to pick up the pieces and have a good Christmas, or I'm just calling it Christmas. Like, it's Christmas. But <laughs> everyone's trying to have a good time here, but it does stand to reason that maybe the trauma line has been crossed with one or two of these people, you know, and like Cassian trying to, you know, essentially hook up with her. Um, it's yeah. just bad timing on his part, even though like maybe there's something there, but it's just bad timing. Like he needs to back off and like, and it's just one of those situations where like Feyre is trying, you know, it's not like Feyre is 100% blind to how Nesta's feeling, but Feyre is trying to help Nesta in the way that, ne that Feyre knows how to help people. The way she would want to be helped, which is clearly not the way. Yeah. Kind of frustrates me about Feyre too. Kind of sometimes is just like, man, she's obviously going through something. She didn't move yeah. to the other side of town for no reason, so maybe, yeah. maybe just let her have her space and work through it in the time that she needs to kind of work her way back. She will come back. I found Feyre kind of frustrating in this book yeah. actually because she's. I mean, I don't think that. I think it's more complicated than how I'm about how I'm about to spell it out. But it felt like she was just like everybody's just got to be together and happy on Christmas, and it's just like yeah. Feyre. Okay, like obviously that'd be nice, but that's just not. I mean, everybody, it, a war just got finished up. You know, can we just give everybody their space to do what they want to do? Some people right. handle it differently. Like the bad boys are gonna go have a snowball fight, and that's their thing. But that's not what Nesta wants to do, and it sucks. Like, I mean, I have relatives, you know, I've had relatives not come over for Christmas because uh, of one thing or another, and it sucks. She's still like scrubbing her father's blood who died next to her grizzly, like right, you know, off yeah, her hands. She saw her dad. And was like, "Hey, come build gingerbread houses." And you're like, "That's maybe not." <laughs> Yeah. So that's my yeah, that's like my explanation for Nesta being such a wet blanket. Like it seems like she shouldn't be almost, but when you when you just kind of like uh, assess everything that's happened and kind of look at it from Nesta's point of view, which you haven't been able to yet, obviously, right. but in the next book you you do get to see it. And so I'm coming at this um having read the next book, you know. So keep that in mind as well. Yeah, hope I didn't spoil yeah. anything. I don't think I spoiled anything. No, no, not at all. I, and in fact, I kind of need that because it's like I've only ever seen Nesta through Feyre's eyes. And, you know, to Feyre, she has a lot of like kind of earned resentment uh, in that relationship. And it's like, man, who is the one keeping everyone alive? Right, yeah. Who is the one totally. still being super mean um, back when, you know, we lost everything? And then it's like, I don't know. I see where Feyre is coming from for sure, but she's her solution is not the greatest passion. She just needs to give Nesta space and acknowledge that she works differently than Feyre. Yeah, but but just because some just because one person is putting a lot of work into a relationship does not necessarily mean they're putting the right kind of work into a relationship. Right. You know, like you, there is such a thing as being too much or being you know being too just nagging somebody. You know, and like yeah. getting at them when they just want some space. Like they just, I mean, she got right. an apartment, like you said, she got an apartment on the other side of town. Maybe she's drinking a little bit too bit, but we all drink a little bit too bit. Yeah, we sometimes. have those faces, like, you know. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes you just kind of blot some stuff out, and you know, it's uh, it's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Cassian, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. You can't blame a guy for trying, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> fortune favors the bold. Like, and he's—it's not like he's being overly aggressive. He's just like trying oh, no. to be like he's kind of being sweet about it. But it's like, man, same kind of situation for you, like, man. Read the room, dude. Yeah, yeah, give her, let her go. Like the last thing she wants is to have some guy be like, "Hey, little lady, let me walk you home." Like, man, she—you found her in the seediest bar in town. What that means is like, this is someone who has been in high society all of her life 
and you found her at like the seediest, most most rough and tumble place. Like, what does that mean? It means she's kind of having a crisis of 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 who she is. Yeah, and she's trying to like figure out like who am I? Am I am I Faye now? What does that even mean? So she's just kind of like trying everything and going places where no one's gonna judge her because everyone's kind of. Uh, got some skeletons in their closet so to speak well and it's really difficult to grow and like um try to get to know yourself in this new space when everybody's putting expectations on you you know like how are you supposed to do that like how are you you can't you know if you're trying and especially i mean this is not this kind of person but like if you're trying to please everybody too like it's never gonna no no (laughs) you're gonna be in that cd bar that i need some I need I need to see things from Nessa's perspective because from mine and Farah's, it's like, regardless, good or bad, I've never seen anything, never see her be or act away other than just kind of cold, kind of detached, and kind of frosty. Yeah, I, I like don't know like there isn't like with Elaine. I know at one point she was gardening and fun and happy, and she's like trying to find her way back to that place. But for me, in my my eyes, Nesta never had that position she's always kind of been the cruel sister you know and so i'm excited and hopeful that i can kind of see some uh some things that might make me want to go get a beer with her because at this point i'm like cassian why (laughs) like you've been rejected by her very brutally every time you've tried and she's never been like kind of nice to you like or or anyone yeah and cassian's so bubbly and cool and yeah like it's like, I mean, is that what you want for the rest of your life, man? Do you have a favorite of the three of them, Resand, Azrael, and Cassian? Probably Cassian. Yeah, I figured it. I figured you would. Yeah. Yeah, I like Cassian. He's just kind of like he's a rogue, you know, and he's out there just putting his best foot forward. I like Azrael. Yeah, you would. Azrael's so fucking he's cool, hot. man. He's so hot and just yeah. There's always there's like literally a darkness. He's like always just like sitting in darkness. Yeah. The way he's it's described. Like always has his cowl it's up. It's so cool. Like god, Azriel's so awesome. And then like so it just makes the parts where he is engaging like that much cooler. It's like, "Oh, Azriel's here and he's talking to everybody." Like, "Oh my god." Uh-huh. Yeah, those are fun. I was a little disappointed in no in Lucian's part of the book. He's always been one of my favorites from the beginning, and I just feel like he has really gotten the short end of the stick the last two, maybe even three books. He's just never yeah. around. He's got this bond with Elaine that's just kind of thrust upon him, and he's just like trying to struggle with his new situation, and he, everyone's like, oh, hey, Lucian, but like, they're not really super close to him, and he's yeah, like, I don't hey, think- Elaine. I don't think I don't think Sarah J. Moss really knew what to do with Lucian in the last couple books. Yeah, he just shows like, up once. He's like, "Here's some gifts," and they're like, "Oh, this is awkward, but we still love you." And he's like, "Yeah, same." And then he leaves. Yeah, I'm, I think I remember my thinking being, like, "Can we just bury the hatchet here with Lucian?" Like, obviously, he's pretty. He's not Tamlin, you know. He's right. Fine. Uh, that's a, that's one of the things about these books, um, and it's like this, honestly, with Song of Ice and Fire too. Uh, it's like this with the Davabad trilogy, where this just. <sighs> I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say. And I might get eaten alive for this, but I think that sometimes authors use like, ah, but our past as like kind of a weird plot device sometimes where, you know, because I feel like some authors are very selective on like what particular things in the past are like important and hold, hold a certain amount of gravity to which situations. And it's like they don't use that exact same like wand with everything you know there's like something that's really traumatic that happens but it's like ah 
we'll get over it Certain together you know and then represent yeah. a group of like things they're almost like a meme you know and they yeah. come driving in like with this wagon of history that just means like remember this and then they like pull off and it's just well, like okay there's nothing that inherently wrong with that but i feel like some authors are just really consistent with what they decide is really important and impactful in the past and then other stuff just gets kind of like left behind and not really talked about and it's just like what like right i mean lucian didn't really do anything that i mean he was just loyal to tamlin when he thought he had all the information and then once he didn't have all that information anymore he bounced like right. so i don't really know like what the problem is like maybe somebody could email us or say in the discord maybe i'm missing something but yeah i wish i'm with you there i wish lucian i wish they just accept him into the crew you know yeah i i was so stoked when he leaves with uh um and I'm like, yeah, I made the right choice. Ditching Tamlin, getting on Team Reese. And then he goes over there and he just kind of spends the rest, a couple hundred pages up until the present day, just kind of being an outcast, but being a good person, volunteering for missions and, you know, saving everyone at the end because his mission to go um, find one of the queens, like brings her into the battle and her all, you know, he does very good things. And it's like, he's still just kind of, kind of outcast and kind of just represents it's... like a dark part of her past. Like this group is so like the inner circle is so exclusive, yeah. you know. But it's like by their own rules, they should have kicked Resand out, you know. <laughs> I mean, like look at yeah. all this shit Resand did. All right, so we're gonna wrap up here. Nice short and sweet episode for this book. Um, but before we do, Chad, do you have any predictions for a court of silver flames, other than what I've probably already spoiled for you? Oh, I don't think you've spoiled anything. The only thing that I know for sure is I'm gonna get a lot of character stuff from Nesta. Okay, I think this is what I hope. I hope that true to her writing um, past, or at least what I'm familiar with, Sarah J. Moss just takes her little story, this perfect little wintry world of perfect excellence where everyone's window shopping and just like shakes it up. And we get some crazy stuff, madness to happen. And through the madness and the overcoming of some unknown turmoil, um, we get some serious growth. Because this next, next book is the last in the series, right? I don't think so. No. Oh, is it not? I think it's the start of another trilogy. I could be oh, wow. super wrong, um, but I think there's more Akatar books coming out. And okay. man, when that sixth Akatar book comes out, the internet is going to explode. Oh, my <laughs> Even when the second Crescent City book came out, it's like all I saw on TikTok for like a week was just this blue cover of this book. Um, yeah, that I, I'm pretty sure there's another Akatar book coming out. Let me look it up real quick. I could be okay. totally wrong. Yeah, I, I hope so because I I love these characters and I'd like to see more. And the amount of shaking I hope happens in the next book would be hard to resolve uh, prettily in one book. So yeah, I hope that we get a bunch of craziness, and that craziness uh, is kind of the wave of that craziness is ridden by. Nesta and we get to see her overcome it and through so through doing so kind of break down her barriers a little bit and find out who she is and find out that she wants to share it with certain members of the group and kind of um, finds her place yeah um it's I can't really remember like any of the plot of a court of silver flames <laughs> I do remember a couple scenes extremely vi vividly um one in particular uh it's a lot of I don't want to I'm just not gonna spoil it. We'll just talk about it on the next episode. Also, um, Feyre is gonna have a kid. That's an interesting prediction. Cause she like wishes having. for something and she's like remembering what the uh somebody Yeah made a prophecy. Uh, that's a that's an interesting 
it's an interesting prediction, my friend. <laughs> yes, she's gonna mm. have a kid. Uh, <laughs> I also think. Do you know how much time passed between the writing of the last book and this one? I have no idea. I think Me it's neither. like the same year. Okay, it seems like the fan art world really rapidly expanded between these two books because all of a sudden there's like a bunch of ideas kind of thrown out there like there's names for things so the second sentence of the book is and i cast a thought down the soul bridge between me and reese like okay soul bridge i guess that's a thing like it was called the bond before but it's a soul bridge now and then uh she could store everything in her room in the pocket between realms because she's like talking about, well, I'm not running out of space. I just like need, you know, I want to feel like there's less clutter in here. <laughs> it's like, you wait, you got a place between realms. So like you have a like an interdimensional pocket storage place now. And there's just like a lot of things kind of thrown out there. Once again, if there's one thing that I have to be like, ugh about with these books is just the magic system and the attention to detail. Like there's things where like Pharaoh one night is like, I would have... Uh, winnowed but i didn't want to do it with all this stuff or something it's like so you have a limited amount of stuff you can bring with you or seems like you would want to or yeah see that's like one of the main things that i, I would really love to have sarah j moss on here um so that i could kind of ask like what's up with a lot of the magic system in this but i don't maybe it'd be like an unfair question because it doesn't really matter Right. You know? Yeah. And that's what I always go back to. But, you know, there's there's also just like things that make me chuckle. Right. Like Farrah's trying to Farah is trying to find Nesta one night and Reese asks her if she wants him to use his magic. And she's like, ah, I don't want him to do it. I didn't want him to do that earlier as it seemed like an invasion of privacy. And then I thought it was going to end with her being like, but now I can't find her and I'm actually worried. But it actually ends with Farah being like, but considering how damned cold it is go ahead and invade <laughs> privacy like what like i feel like yeah, sarah that's... just kind of forgot the reason why she said that because it was like kind of not cool and kind of a, a shallow like dick move. like wow way to go pharaoh totally and then oh yeah, i yeah, guess like, we're not doing that anymore she's okay super polite until it's really cold outside and then she's like yeah no just magic your way right into her brain <laughs> like okay very looking forward to seeing what sarah does with this next book because uh, frankly i'm gonna be a little disappointed if she doesn't give me her classic like what's up like total yeah. wrecking of her world and changing of direction and like i don't know i feel like she's kind of a chaos fiend when it comes to her plot and i've come to really enjoy that and i hope that that is a vehicle for character growth that has been so far not seen uh, but is in my opinion needed on some characters or at least the potential for that growth is there but uh, and i hope it gets realized yeah, um, I th I mean, I thought that Court of Silver Flames was a little bit slow, uh, but I mean, it's not slow. It's just long. It's a very long book, um, but I think you'll enjoy it. I think you're going to be surprised, just like okay. you have been with this entire series. Yeah, I mean, there's not been one book that I was like, that was not fun. Like every book is great. Even this one, it was like yeah. fantastic. You know, it was just it was exactly as long as it needed to be, like I said. Yeah. And then uh, after this one, we're going to be done with A Court of Thorns and Roses. It'll, well, it'll we'll be kind of sad. Yeah, it will be, but we'll move on to... i think about and Cass from time to time. I still think about them. Feyre. I wonder what they're all doing right now. Having perfect each sex other. and have snowball <laughs> fights. <laughs> Looking and then, awesome. You know what? At the end of the day, I think we all just want sex and snowball fights. Yeah, to like live like a child, but like do the fun parts of being an adult. Yeah. All right. I think that'll do it for us today here on Book Reviews Kill. We've done a pretty awesome job, I think, of discussing this tiny little book. 
But yeah, everybody, thank you so much for being here and for giving us your attention and your time. And Chad, I'm really excited to talk about the last book, or at least the last available book in this weird and wonderful series. Yeah, as I've said before, and we'll definitely say again, and I'll say right now, I would not have enjoyed it or gotten near as much out of it if not for the uh, discussions with you and kind of the adventure that we go into these books together hand in hand. They're so much fun. Everybody, hope you have an awesome rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.